Hello and welcome back to the Ireland Football Fans Podcast. I'm Joseph McCarthy of Irish Abroad and I'm joined again by Mark Kennedy of Hawkeye Sidekick. Mark, uh, how are you? Good now, Joe. Yourself? Yeah, really good now. Looking forward to the return of international football. Stephen Kenny has named a 27-man squad to face Andorra and Hungary following a short training camp in Spain. The under-21 team has also been named and will line up against Switzerland, Australia and Denmark. The league season in England finished last weekend with Manchester City taking the title and we've seen West Brom, Sheffield United and Fulham get relegated. So we're going to discuss our highs and lows for the season across the water. So if we start with the senior team, we did discuss last week with Phil who we wanted to see called up for the, the national side. And I think for the most part, we got it right. There were a few surprising uh, inclusions in the squad. Harry Arthur has been on the periphery of the Nottingham Forest team, but has been included. It's possible that his experience at international level was the reason for his return to the national side. Connor Horan's 24 caps is more than Malumbi, Cullen Knight and newcomers McGrath and Mandrew combined. There was a few puzzling omissions. Anthony Scully, I think the three of us had all named the Lincoln player in the squads we wanted to see, but uh, seems, uh, but for some reason wasn't included. But for the most part, Mark, uh, I think you know it's the squads we expected to see. I think so, by and large, Joe. I think it's good to see some certain players in the squad. Darren Randolph, I know we spoke last week about Darren Randolph and maybe him getting a pass, but I think it's just kind of showing in terms of Dean Coyley wanting to run the rule over the goalkeeping depth chart that Randolph has been included in this um, training camp, along with Creeping Kelleher and Gavin Bazunu. feel a little bit for Mark Travers. I think Belgrade maybe have gone against him, but I think if you look through the squad, the, the players that are available, it's kind of along familiar lines. It's good to see some of the newcomers come in. We'll probably talk about them in a minute. Delighted to see Jamie McGrath in there. I would have probably seen, liked to have seen Dylan Connolly somewhere in the mix. Thought he had an exceptional season with Sir Marin. They were very prominent in the SPL. It's an exciting squad, just given some of the U profile, particularly in midfield, and then some of the guys that have been selected in the forward line as well. So, all in all, it's going to be an exciting training camp just to see how these guys get on and try to raise their hand for maybe selection further down in the World Cup qualification route. I think we can all agree that we expect to see Cuevin Keller make his uh, senior international debut in one of the two games. I think when he's fit now, he is Liverpool's second-choice goalkeeper. I don't see him displacing Alisson anytime soon, but Alisson is probably one of the top three goalkeepers in the Premier League at the moment, and there's no shame in being uh, number two behind a player of his stature. Next season, I, I don't think he's going to go out on loan, but as I said last week, I think he's going to be their keeper of choice for for cup games and in the Champions League for maybe the latter two or three games in the group stages if uh, qualification has already been achieved. If we look in, in the list of defenders, it's maybe a little surprising to see James McLean listed as a defender. I only ever remember him playing in defence against Portugal where... Look, Cristiano Ronaldo tore him apart, but Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the best players in a generation. Um, so again, there's no shame in you know in not being able to shackle the Portuguese player. Do you think that Kenny sees McLean 
uh, in a defensive role in future and not not where we're used to seeing him on the left wing. Yeah, I think uh, Joe's probably just see his versatility. Again, the one thing about James McLean is very energetic, go, gets up and down the park so well. So maybe it's a new kind of area for him. I know uh, Michael O'Neill and Stoke City had experimented with them, particularly in the full-back position as well. So why not kind of try him in that position, particularly given our kind of depth chart in those kind of areas, just see how he goes. Um, again, I, I sense he's still a vital cog in this Republic of Ireland squad, you know, great professional uh, in terms of, you know, his work ethic and stuff. So, no, it'll be exciting to see that, and hopefully Stephen Kenny can provide him with the game minutes to kind of see how he goes there. I think it's an exciting move, really. Something that I didn't notice when the squad was first announced was that there's no recognised left fullback named in McLean, uh, obviously is uh, a left-sided player. There's Daryl Shea, who can play at left full, but is mostly recognised as uh, centre-half. Uh, and Ryan Manning, the former QPR wing-back who's with Swansea City now. And on top of that, there's four centre-halves, Shane Duffy, John Egan, Daryl Shea, and newcomer Andrew Omovamideli. Is it possible that we're going to see a 3-5-2 from Stephen Kenny in these two games? Kind of strikes to me as if we might see that. Just given those selections, uh, Joe, um, I'd be a strong advocate in these podcasts for a 3-5-2 if Stephen Kenny's ethos is what we lead it to be leaves. Um, passing it out from the back, 3-5-2 would probably best suit this team. And even the 3-5-2, I think even you know 3-5-1-1 might be something that he may consider. But 3-5-2, I would definitely see being experimented definitely against Andorra and maybe potentially against Hungary. I think, as you've kind of stated here, Joe, an awful lot of centre halves in there. I think full back positions wise, you know, might have a kind of slight issue, but yeah, I think three at the back probably is the way he's going to go. I'm really happy to see Omo Bamadeli called up, and it's been a hell of an end of the season for the North City youngster. He broke into the North City side due to injury, but he's kept his position all the way to the end of the season, uh, which ended in promotion back to the Premier League for the Canaries. It's a massive reward for his performances for the 18 year old. I really hope we see him make his, his first senior appearance across the two games. And we think that he's still eligible for the under 21s. You know, it just goes to show like how, how young he really is. If you look at midfield, you know, like we said, Harry Arthur's call up is slightly puzzling. He's only played 15 times across the season for Nottingham Forest. And apparently he has been told by Chris Hutton that he's free to find Another club, when you think the likes of uh, Anthony Scully, who's played 53 times for Lincoln this season and scored 17 goals, can't get into the side. And Olamide Shadipo, with 47 appearances and 13 goals this season, is likewise omitted. It's a, it's a little puzzling. As I say, it's possible that his experience is what's needed here. Conor Horan is going to be involved in the championship playoff final with Swansea City and without him and Arthur the combined cap total of the remaining five midfield players is only barely into double figures we all three of us mentioned Jamie McGrath um, as someone we want to see called up and I'm absolutely delighted to see the St Mirren player uh, St Mirren player of the year in the squad St Mirren have been a surprise package in the, the SPL this season and he's been a, a major part of that and then we have uh, Shamrock Rovers midfielder Danny Mandrew, who was with Brighton and Hove Albion and came back to play for Bohemians and is now with Shamrock Rovers. And 
He's having a, a good season, but some people have said he mightn't even be the, the best midfield player at Shamrock Rovers. He's maybe not the outstanding midfield player in the League of Ireland this season. What did you think of his inclusion? I think it's well merited, Joe. This season, I think he's been solid. You know, I think he's a very technically gifted player and uh, definitely one that Stephen Kenny has had long admiration for, even in the under-21. So I think the inclusion, look, it's a training camp. Training camps are there to run the rule over maybe kind of wild cards, you know, fringe guys like this. So I think for Danny, it's a superb opportunity. No pressure on him. You know, and really that these training sessions will be quite pivotal for quite a few of these guys for future squad selections. So, look, nothing to lose from Danny Mandrew. And, uh, yeah, let's see if we can get some game time. It might be a little bit difficult, but I think he just has some press and training. His attitude is top-notch. Yeah, let's see how it goes. I think it's a worthy inclusion, just given his age profile. We're not blessed with attacking midfielders here that have really kind of set the world alight since Stephen Kenny has taking charge, so why not try something new here? And player might actually revel in these conditions. One player that we didn't mention last week, but when I was researching before we started recording, uh, his name did come up, was Portsmouth's Marcus Harness. You know, he's played 53 times for Pompey this season. He scored 10 goals from midfield. And when he was at Aviva Stadium last year, you know, there was quite a big deal made that he had come over his paperwork hadn't been completed yet, but he was coming over just to be part of the squad and to be around the team. And we haven't seen anything from him since then, um, which is a little strange, uh, I thought. Stephen Kenny did go to scout him and Ronan Curtis at the beginning of the month, but only the striker um, has been included in the squad. I mean, it was quite probably different. I think Portsmouth's form towards the back end of last season as well. You know, so they had that Salford City Cup final loss and penalties. Kenny Jack got sacked well before that. So maybe it's kind of a contributing factor that Hartness is not there. But Ronan Curtis has been prominent. If one player really did step up leadership-wise, Ronan Curtis was that for Portsmouth uh, at the back end last season. He chipped in with an awful lot of vital goals. Ultimately not good enough for playoffs. But I think Ronan Curtis did himself no harm at all. Probably attracting a few... Skybet Championship clubs to him I would imagine after his season that he's just had It was a big part of Portsmouth's push for promotion this season and we know from history that what happens when a promotion bid fails is that some of your better players get picked off by teams either around you or in a, in a division ahead of you so we could see him move in the summer If we just look at the players selected in the forward line Darrell Horgan from the relegated Wigan Wanderers uh, it was a surprise call-up for me. I know he's he's played better than I've expected from him under Kenny, but he hasn't had a, a, a good season in what is a poor side. He's only scored one goal in the 47 games that he played for Wickham. That's not the form that you would think would lead to a, a call-up. Look, we're, when it comes to forward players, we're, you know, we're not exactly spoiled for choice. It's probably seen as long since retired and... It might be the case that we never re- replace him. Callum Robinson was the second highest scoring Irish player in the Premier League this season, but behind uh, David McGoldrick's ace. Uh, and unfortunately, the Sheffield United striker decided to retire in November of last year. Uh, we were really disappointed to see him go. We'd only started to see what he could bring to the squad, and you know the form he's showing for the Blades 
he was their player of the season. I definitely was think there would be a place for him in the squad. Another relegated player to get called up is Rotherham United's Chiodosi Benny, and my apologies if I'm mispronouncing his name. I'm really happy to see him in the squad. I saw him play for Limerick FC a few times. I saw him come on in the cup final for Cork City. But similar to Horgan, you know, he hasn't really stood out in a poor team. He's only played 12 times in the recently finished season and he failed to find the back of the net. So you know, his inclusion, again, perhaps a little confusing. I mean, when you consider the attributes that Stephen Kenny said that when he's going to bring to the team, I think Olamida Sharifu has shown that he can do that as you know across the season. Whereas I didn't see any evidence from Ogbeni that he can he can do that. Granted, I haven't watched a lot of Rotherham games, but just looking at the numbers, it did seem to be a strange inclusion. I think so. Um, I think it's maybe potential and talent over current form on that one. I know we we've seen him collectively. I think down in Markets Field. Uh, with Limerick FC, you know, he was such an exciting talent. Um, again, 11 appearances last season with Rotherham. And look, <laughs> I watched Rotherham for the last few games on the Skybet Championship. And my word, you know, some of the chances they kind of squandered. Again, Obene, I think, is more a run-the-rule sort of player on this training camp to see what his potential is going forward. Um, so, yeah, it's probably a strange left-field call from... Stephen Kenny, but obviously scouting must be pretty favourable for the player. So you have to kind of just trust uh, Kenny and the backroom staff to actually run the rule over him. You know, he's pace to burn as well on the last defender. Maybe he's kind of looking for something a little bit different, considering a few of these other guys that are selected. Um, Daryl Horgan, for the most part, I think, you know, was had a solid season, I think, with Wickham, but again... Are, are we kind of looking to unearth or identify a new kind of player here? I don't know. It's uh, It kind of just seems same old, same old with that selection to a certain extent. Not taking anything away from Darrell Horgan, he's not a professional, but is he going to get sufficient game time here in this training camp, you know, particularly against Andorra and Hungary? Initial reactions probably no, so it was an opportunity here to maybe kind of take maybe a Will Ferry or someone like that to really do run the rule over him, you know, as well. And I suppose Odebiku is probably the key guy here that we probably both kind of looked at last week, thinking he's worthy of a call-up. He's not even featuring in the under-21s, which probably poses an awful lot of questions in terms of his international allegiance at the moment. Is there England or someone like that kind of knocking at the door for his services as well? So that was probably the disappointing part that Odebiku has not been involved. Big lad, plenty of power, potential, but... Hopefully we can get that sorted out in a good way uh, for us in the next few months. Uh, I think at 28, Daryl Horgan is the player he's going to be. He's, we're not going to see a, a massive improvement from the winger in the next few years. Although, uh, having said that, James Collins is included at 30. Although, I think Collins has actually played well for Kenny. He's scored the second goal against Serbia. So... You know, that probably does he probably does merit a call up. I and mean, he's gotten the move to Cardiff City. Even though he wasn't a regular starter for Luton, he was coming on and he was scoring goals. And now he's going to play under the the man who gave him his international debut, Mitt McCarthy, uh, at Cardiff City next season. And um look we we wish him all the best uh with the Bluebirds. So what do you expect from the two games, Mark? I mean, where are we going to see? We would hope that we're going to see our first win under the new manager against Andorra. 
Although in the press conference after the the squad was announced, uh, he was asked that. He was asked, is this game uh, a must-win game? And I have to say, I wasn't very impressed with his answer. He said, uh, how would you define a must-win game? And I thought, well, you know, a must-win game is pretty self-explanatory. It's a game you must win. I could kind of see the, the point of view of the manager as well. He knew full well that if he said, yes, we have to beat Andorra, the headlines the next morning would all say the same thing. Or the manager admits job is on the line depending on uh, results against the Minnows from the Pyrenees. But when you think about it, if you don't beat Andorra, and we've beaten them in the, the four games that we have played against them, 3-0, 3-1, twice and 2-0 if we don't continue that sequence if we draw or lose then his position is completely untenable look I've my fingers crossed in terms of these games really I know the journalist probably was scouting for a a bit of a a story here probably got it with the spiky response but to be all honest if we can't beat Andorra even with the squad that we have assembled granted we'll have a few days training good quality training with the backroom staff I'm confident that we should beat Andorra here, Joe. There's no reason why we can't believe that we can't beat Andorra. Um, you know, it's a key game. I, I sense that the Andorra game may be more trickier than the Hungarian game, um, which is probably an unbelievable statement. But I think the players deep down inside, they want to kind of perform Stephen Kenny, get that first win, get the monkey off his back. So there may be some nervy moments against Andorra, but... Again, Andorra won't be a pushover either. Their qualification campaign so far, they lost at home 1-0 to Albania. They were not too bad against Poland, lost 3-0. Uh, Lebedowski scored twice. But their game against Hungary, who are their next friendly opponent after Andorra, Hungary did beat them 4-1. And to be honest, that's where I think my confidence has come in here, that they're definitely susceptible defensively. Um, so I definitely think we should get the win there. Maybe the Hungarian game is probably a, a draw. Um I think Hungary RSI are progressing very nicely. Um, their record this year in the World Cup qualification. I think their squad is by and large being retained for the summer to build momentum into September because they're really in with a good shout here. They've won against Pol- uh, they won against San Marino and Andorra, drew against Poland in a game they should already have won. So that may be a stiffer test, but I can see us probably getting a draw there. So. Yeah, probably winning a draw, uh, Joe. And really for us, it's to build momentum as well. I know our World Cup qualification hopes are pretty much gone, but it's really to build up that momentum and identify a squad of players here that we can probably trust and rely upon for the Euros coming up uh, in the next qualification campaign. Hungary, uh, in their Nations League campaign last year, beat Serbia 1-0 in Serbia before drawing one all with them at home. And as you say, having faced our next opponents, Andorra, 1-4-1. So when you think that's probably the best comparison that we can have between uh, ourselves and the Hungarians at the moment, they've got some good results against a team that we struggled you know, in the very recent past. So I, I'm not sure if I can see us getting a, a win in the second game. We've only won twice against uh, Hungary in the 11 games that we played against them. There's five draws and four losses. So I think we're going to find that game probably quite tough. I would be happy with a draw. But as you say, I do think the Andorra game could be trickier. I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on it. We're going to be expected to win that game like we were expected to beat Luxembourg. And the longer we go without scoring, and as we've seen under the current manager, you know we don't score a lot of goals. 
if Andorra are set up to, to frustrate us, if they pack 10 men inside their own half, maybe try and nick one on the break or from a set piece, we could be in trouble. Like Having said all that, I fully expect us to beat Andorra. They are a semi-professional team. We have a squad of professional players. Look, we'll see what happens on Thursday. I think it would be interesting, Joe, just to see how Stephen Kenny evolves the side. Luxembourg, as you basically rightly pointed out, what they did was park nine players and their star player from Dynamo Kiev, um, Gerson, just literally kind of roam around and be creative and literally kind of so start and up pretty quick. It would be very interesting to see what Stephen Kenny, what his game plan, has he evolved the game plan? Literally are passing from the back. We didn't really pose many questions of that Luxembourg defence in behind. Is there going to be any variation here? If not, then Andorra, despite being semi-professional, for the most part, they're going to be well organised. They're going to be compact. How are we going to break this down? So I think that will be the intriguing subplot to that game. If we're going to continue to pursue what we did against Luxembourg, it could be a tough evening. But I'm expecting with the backroom staff and the training sessions that we've have that we'll evolve a little bit more. So I think that's going to be what I'm going to be most looking forward to on that particular fixture. So we try to break down a side like that because we're going to be forced to take the initiative attack. So it's going to be very interesting, I think. I think under Stephen Kenny's management, we've only really seen the team play the type of football that he wants us to play twice. And that was in the loss against Serbia and the draw against Slovakia. And what I'd like to see after the training camp is that the manager accept that this particular group of players can't play that brand of football. And it, but he can adapt his tactics, his formation to suit the skill set that's available to him. Because I think that's the mark of a good manager. He gets the best from the players that he has. He doesn't start with a, a plan and impose that on the players. He finds out what the players can do and then he develops a plan from that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there, Joe, to be fair. And it's not as if the team, as I said last week, you know, the COVID 19 situation, they had precious little time with the guys in the training ground. This Girona camp should be pivotal in terms of putting across what Stephen Kenny and what the backroom staff want from the players. You know, it's all very well and good looking at manuals and looking at diagrams to figure out your formations, but really the hard work is on the training pitch. And I think this training camp has a lot of merits to it. So I think it's a nice, talented squad that he has there. The standard, you know, like there's an awful lot of unproven talent, but we have high hopes for an awful lot of these underage guys that are coming through. It, these guys, you know, uh, along with kind of um, some of the senior guys, are going to have to impress the management here, and let's hope for a good result at least against Andorra. Get that first game, that first win for Stephen Kenny, and you'd be surprised, Joe, after maybe getting the Andorra win, how confidence might soar in the team, and that's our hope here. It's definitely what we want to see. And I, last week, talking to to Elon, he was saying that laying the result against Luxembourg at Stephen Kenny's feet was unfair because it's the whole environment around Irish football at the moment all led up to that result. I didn't quite agree with him. We all know that we don't have players of the quality that were available to previous managers available in the current setup, but previous managers used that excuse that they didn't have the players maybe to play the, the attractive football that everyone wanted to see, but they still got results from it. Like, Martin O'Neill was heavily criticised for his brand of football. Giovanni Trapattoni suffered the same at the you know at the end of his reign, and it, it was rejected out of hand by the fans. It's like, no, we can definitely play better football than this. So now, when the manager turns around and says that he doesn't have the players, that same argument was rejected 
from previous managers, then I'm not going to accept it from the current manager. The loss against Luxembourg, and we're probably going to we're going to mention it later on in our highs and lows in the season, is the worst home loss definitely since the FIFA rankings were introduced and possibly in Irish football history. The manager, I think, got everything wrong in that game. He picked the wrong eleven to start with. He didn't change his formation. I, sorry, he didn't adapt to the game as it was involving in front of him. And by the time that Luxembourg had scored, there wasn't enough time to do anything to equalise or to take a win from it. And for me, honestly, since that result, we're counting down the days to the end of, to the end of his reign. Also this week, under-21 manager Jim Crawford uh, announced a 26-man squad to face Switzerland, uh, Australia and Denmark. We've seen the exciting call-ups of Getafe's John Joe, Patrick Finn, Benoa, Fessi Evaselli, Sean Rowan, Colin Whelan, goalkeeper Danny Rose, who moved from Everton to Schalke this year, and recently our Irish qualified player Ryan Johansson uh, of Sevilla. Looking down through the, the squad, it occurred to me that Stephen Kenny is now in the same position as senior manager as Mick McCarthy was when Kenny was in charge of the under-21s, that there's more interesting and exciting players in the under-21 squad than there is in the senior team. And it could possibly be where a lot of the interest among Irish fans is drawn. The three games are going to be broadcast on Premier Sports 1, uh, starting with Switzerland uh, on Sunday morning. Mark, I think there's, there's a lot of exciting players there. There's a lot of potential there. And I'll definitely be tuning in on Sunday morning. Likewise, Joe. Yeah, I think it's a good analogy that you pulls there because just given the wretched start to the senior squad campaign to the World Cup, qualification's pretty much done. So really we're kind of having to run the rule on the under-21s to see who can really step up to that senior side. And I think this training camp again, the three sides they've actually selected, I think are really good, you know, in terms of Switzerland, Australia, and also Denmark. Switzerland, Denmark being very competitive sides and they're kind of in their groups. Again, an awful lot to be looking forward to here. I'm delighted to see so many domestic players getting a chance here, Joe, from Brian Maher, Bray Wanderers, Andy Lyons, Dawson Defoy. There's so much going on. Colin Whelan as well, UCD, has been lighting it up in the first division. It's a very, very exciting... And again, you have the likes of the Luca Connells, Connor Coventries, Connor Noss as well, who's a very good player. Uh, Louis Watson as well, very highly rated in Derby County so as you say yourself it will be very interesting just to see how the team are going to play an awful lot of good potential there it'd be brilliant to just see John Duff Patrick Finn Benoa as well I think you were the first guy to literally <laughs> alert us to the availability of that player Joel so I don't know if you should take the, the exclusive scoop on that but very exciting player for Gaddafi you know he's featured a few times in La Liga lots of Copa del Rey so yeah, there's an awful lot to be excited about here. I'll be definitely tuning in at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning just to see how things are going to go there. Dan Rose as well, Schalke 04. That's a great move for Dan Rose, to be fair. Just given that Jens Lehmann is part of that Schalke 04 organisation, and you can imagine the players that have come through from the goalkeeping position, Lehmann, Manuel Neuer, it's a great club. And plus the fact that Schalke have now been relegated to the second tier of German football. Will Dan Rose get an opportunity here? He might do. So exciting times for Dan Rose, I think. So very exciting overall. 
Yeah, I was thinking the same thing myself. Like with Schalke dropping out of the top division in Germany, they are going to lose players and a chance could open up for the Irish goalkeeper to stake a claim for the number one jersey with Schalke, despite you know, only being 17 years of age. Sam Blair from Norwich is included again after being included in the training camp against Wales uh, a few months ago. Again, at only 18, he's you know kind of similar to Rose. He could play for the under-19s, but he's been included in the under-21 squad to maybe stake a claim for their qualifiers for the European Championships. You know, if we look in defence, I'm really happy to see Shane Flynn called up from Leicester City. He was awarded their academy player of the season. Uh, he was named on the bench for a uh, Europa League game. He was also named on the bench in a Premier League game. So, you know, he's very much in the thoughts of Brendan Rodgers and we could see him in the Foxes' first team next season. Um, it feels a bit strange to be talking about next season already after the, the final whistle has only just blown on the 2020-21 season. But, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's football. Get relegated in May while the promotion push starts in August. In midfield, I'm I'm really excited to see John Joel Patrick Finn. Benoit, I'm delighted that he's de- he's declared for Ireland. I can't take all the credit, or I don't know if I can take any of the credit for uh, for his inclusion. Um, the player has been talked about ever since he signed for Real Madrid when I think he was uh, nine or ten years old. Um, and it just coincidentally at the same time, Zakil Zenin, an Australian-born player with two Irish parents, signed for Barcelona. He's actually is now with Blackburn Rovers and has just been signed his first professional contract at Ewood Park. He was included in the under 19s training camp last week, but so far he's only played internationally for Australia. So it remains to be seen if Gil Sennin does decide to change his allegiance. Connor Noss as Borussia Mönchengladbach. Again, thought he played very well uh, against Wales. He was on the periphery of the uh, Mönchengladbach side last season, the 2019-20 season. Um, and this t- this season, he spent uh, the season playing for their number two side, uh, which plays in the, the regional leagues in Germany. Finally, the saga that has been Ryan Johansson's international allegiance has been resolved. Um, after appearing for Luxembourg as under-19, and, and I think he was named on the bench for the under-21s, under but deciding he was going to declare for Ireland, only to find out that or he didn't have a passport at the time that he played for Luxembourg and therefore didn't qualify for, to play for the Boys in Green, even though he had appeared twice for the under-19s. He, he could only play for Sweden, but due to the changes in FIFA's eligibility laws, which become more... Myriad, it seems, with every passing week, um, he was allowed to declare for the team he wants to play for, which is Ireland. He did spend the season uh, with Sevilla's B team, but uh, I, I really hope we could see him play in La Liga next season. So along with John Joe Patrick Finn and hopefully Ryan Nolan returning from injury, we could have three players in La Liga for possibly the first time ever. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would definitely be remarkable. And if there are other players around the continent who are eligible to play for Ireland, you know, when they see things like this, it could encourage them to likewise declare for, for Stephen Kenny's side. Up front, I think we're actually uh, uh, a little weak. Tyreek Wright went out on loan from Aston Villa this season and started well, but I think faded as the season went on. Jonathan Afalabi, you know, a lot was thought of him when he left 
Southampton to go to Celtic, but so far it hasn't really worked out. He's done okay out on loan this season for Dundee in the Scottish Championship, but he wasn't included in their uh, their playoff squad, which I thought was a bit strange. Will Ferry seems to be a perennial substitute for Southampton. He must be as frustrating for him to be sitting watching the Saints as it is for us watching him on the bench, willing him to come on and make his Premier League debut. I would have a few question marks around Colin Whelan. He started the League of Ireland first division season really well with UCD, scoring a lot for the division's top scorers. But having said that, it is the League of Ireland first division. You'd wonder about the level of quality and if he's able for the step up to under-21 level. You know, we are looking forward to watching the under-21s in their, their next three games. Delighted, Joe, that uh, Busson Noel uh, has been called up to the squad today. Really good news. I mean, once you hear Troy Deeney, Watford legend, really kind of picked this guy out, 17-year-old, getting into the under-23 squad, academy player of the year for Watford, and for Troy Deeney to exude an awful lot of admiration and respect for the player can only be good for him as Watford going to the top level again. Will he get opportunities next year? I probably think he might. Um, so it's great to see him get called up. I don't know if you agree with that, Joe. Oh, no, I think it's fantastic for the player. Lowell was called up for the Ireland 19s for the first time. He's played for the Watford's under-23s. He captained their FA Youth Cup side. He's been their academy player of the season, and now he finds himself in the Ireland under-21s. As you say, when someone like Troy Deeney takes an interest in your career, someone who would have a lot of influence at, at Watford, an absolutely legendary player, you can only imagine the potential that he has with Watford playing Premier League football next season. You know, we could see him in the in the first team, maybe not in the Premier League, but you know, you could definitely see him in the, the early rounds of the FA Cup or the, the League Cup. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like I'm looking at a quote here from, uh, from Troy Deeney. He's got a little bit of the quarry about him. If uh, Lowell literally has half the career that Corey has had, then I think he's doing quite well. So, no, exciting times for the player. Yeah, and, you know, like we said, for a lot of the under-21 squad, the potential that, that this particular collection of players seems to have is, is absolutely huge. And, you know, we hope to see them progress from the under-21s into their senior team. Just like to, to mention Connor Grant as well at Rochdale, the manager, Brian Barry Murphy, mentioned that you know he could be a, as good as Wes Houlihan. I know Rochdale had a poor season, but when your manager name-checks a young player and compares him to someone like Wes Houlihan, it's a massive boost for the player, and you know it says a lot about his ability. Yeah, indeed, Joe, you know, because it was a tough season for Rochdale. Barry Murphy, you know, be the first one to say that, but the battle so gamely and... In fairness to Grant, he was pretty prominent. You know, they created an awful lot of goals down the back end of that season, of last season, and probably Grant was to the fore on that. So, look, it's good words, but I think Grant will just literally need to step it up next season. Be interesting with Rochdale going into League Two. There may be offers for the player as well. So, it could be an interesting summer for the player just to see where his career goes to. As you mentioned, the final whistle has blown on the 2020-21 season in England and Scotland. So we're just going to finish up with a short look back at the highs and lows for Irish players uh, over the last 12 months across the water. And I'm going to start with the negatives and I'm going to start at the, at the top. And that's the national side. Look, there's no sugarcoating this. In the last 12 months, we've seen the worst home result ever. We've gone on the longest goalless run. 
we've equaled the longest winless run since uh, McMeegan's 12 games in charge. And Kevin is 11 games into his reign and still hasn't won. That's also the longest managerial run without a win since McMeegan. We've only scored four goals in 11 games. Two of them came in the same game. And we've only been in front for less than an hour of the thousand plus minutes for the former Dundalk and under-21 manager. Look, I said after the Luxembourg game, I compared it to Steve Staunton's loss to Cyprus. Staunton's managerial reign lasted another 12 months before a draw with the same opposition at home. So I was mercifully killed off. And I think that there's possibly no coming back for Stephen Kenny from that loss. Qualification for the World Cup is already done, as far as I'm concerned. And possibly the best we can hope for in the remaining qualifiers is to finish third. Unless we get a win against Luxembourg, it's entirely possible that we finish fourth. And in, in that case, I think his his position will be untenable and he will uh, his, his time in charge will come to an end. Looking at the squad that he's picked for these games, when I look at the players that he's called up, uh, all I can think is that you know it's entirely possible that he's just preparing this group of players for the next manager, whoever it might be. Mark, what were your highs and lows of the of the, the year? I'm going to go positive, Joe. We might as well go positive now. Um, to me, the backroom staff got strengthened, particularly with Anthony Barry coming into the squad or into the staff. The hoo ha about Damien Duff, particularly the back end last year, was not ideal, but. If we did have to replace Damien Duff with someone, I think Anthony Barry comes in with a, a very high reputation in the game, particularly with Chelsea first team at the moment. And I think we might see the merits and the fruits of that on this Girona training camp. You know, his emphasis on, you know, move ball, ball movement, you know, speed off the ball, tempo. I think we might see it to good effect on this. Dean Coyle as well coming in. Alan Kelly owes nothing to the National Jersey or the Association. But for Dean Coyle to come in, fresh set of eyes in terms of the goalkeeping core, I think, you know, the way that Stephen Kenny wants to probably adopt the passing out from the back. I think Dean Coyle, as a player, was very proficient with ball at his feet. So I think that's two exciting backroom staff members because that's a critique that I've constantly mentioned here in this podcast about the Kenny era. I've thought that the backroom staff has been a little bit vulnerable hasn't really supported Kenny in the key moments. So as well as that, probably the young keepers emerging. I think at the start of the season, I think we did have a bit of a concern in terms of where was the next Darren Randolph going to come. And suddenly we have at least four keepers coming on the radar. Cuevin Kelleher has been prominent for Liverpool. Gavin Bazunu's, you know, that's probably been the highlight, that Luxembourg game, that Gavin Bazunu's performance has been, was outstanding. Um, as well as that, Mark Travers. I still rate Mark Travers as a great goalkeeper. I think he'll learn from the Belgrade experience, but I think his first-team situation with Portman has to get resolved this summer. He needs to move on. He needs to get first-team action. But I think, uh, as a whole, I think young keepers emerging to battle for that number one spot for Randolph. And, I mean, Randolph is far from finished here, Joe. It's going to increase competition and should increase quality in the team. And a third one is probably Jason Knight and Ian Collins for me, two guys who stood out in the championship this year, particularly Skybet Championship. Jason Knight, particularly tough season with Derby County, but again, Knight got the captain's armband from Rain Rooney, and Nathan Collins had had a standout season with Soak City. Michael O'Neill was raving about him throughout the season, so I think those are two guys that we should be watching for uh, coming into next season. So, those are my highs. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I do have a few positives as well. I mean, David, like I said, David McGoldrick scored eight goals this season. He's the first Irish player to score more than five Premier League goals in the season since uh, Shane Long scores 10 in the 2015-16 season. I think Cuevin Callagher is uh, definitely a positive. He's uh, the first Irish player in the Champions League since Owen O'Connell. Uh, came on as a substitute for Celtic against Barcelona in September 2016. And he's the first Irish goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet in the Champions League. So, like I've already said, he's definitely Liverpool's number two goalkeeper when he's fit and available. And I think he's gonna, he's gonna push on next season, assuming he can stay uh, injury free. Seamus Coleman is back to his very best. I know we worried about him after he broke his leg and after that horrific tackle against Wales, we all worried if he'd ever come back. And if he did, would be would he be a, as good as he had been? And this season, um, you know, he's gone from strength to strength and he was cruelly robbed of his 300th Premier League appearance on the final day of the season um, after picking up a knock in his 350th appearance for Everton in the previous game. You know, when you consider that he cost the Toffees all of £70,000, um, I think pound for pound he's possibly the best transfer into the Premier League ever. Uh, another negative, I think the players that have got out on loan this season, the majority of them, it hasn't worked out for them at all. Shane Duffy uh, at Celtic started really well with two go- two goals in his first few games for the Hoops, but his form mirrored the form of the club at large and he's back with Brighton now and hopefully he'll be given a, a clean slate by the manager and you know next season we, we'll see him back in the in the Premier League. Uh Troy Parrish, a lot of us expected of him when he went out on loan to Millwall from Tottenham Hotspur, you know, following the same trail that Harry Kane did when he went out on loan around the same age. Didn't really work out and again when the, that loan was cancelled and the move to Ipswich I know he scored his first professional goal for the Tractor Boys, but the loan moves for the player hasn't been good. And if, as we all expect, Harry Kane moves on from Tottenham in the close season, there's another spot in the Tottenham front line opening up. So we could see him uh, under new management playing in the Premier League next season. Conor Ronan seems to be constantly going out on loan from Wolves this season he was with Grasshoppers in the second division in Switzerland he did okay uh, scored a few goals got a few assists but at this stage of his career he needs to be pushing on for first team football with a, his parent club um, and I think he's going to have to seriously consider leaving Wolves I thought he would or he had a chance of being called in, into the senior squad but unfortunately he broke his metatarsal only a few weeks ago for Grasshopper, so that's ruled him out until the start of the new season anyway. Do you have any other positives? Yeah, I suppose emerging talent. Uh, now I'm going to look north of the border uh, from England, Scotland, St. Mirren, particularly when we saw the likes of Connolly, Shockland, C. McGrath really shine for St. Mirren, and also Watford native Jim Godwin. He's had done a fantastic job at St. Mirren. Uh, I mean, when you consider last season, you know, the season before, they were really flirting with relegation. They were so competitive this year, you know, they knocked Rangers out of the League Cup. And a side that should go up and up, Godwin, I would imagine, will be kind of attracting a few clubs, interest even south of the border there. So, And it's good to see Jamie McGrath get called up. But as I said, Dylan Connolly, I thought was outstanding. A general positive is this Girona training camp, Joe. I cannot overestimate how important this camp will be, just for morale and hopefully to build momentum going into September when our qualification kicks off again. I think we need this. I think we need the training camp 
for Stephen Kenny, even like of Anthony Barry, Dean Kiley, Keith Andrews, uh, the rest of the backroom staff to really kind of mold together the side, um, to have good quality time with the guys on the training park. And uh, we hope to see some good kind of results come out of the Andorra and the Hunger game and really see if we can identify maybe three or four guys that we haven't really kind of seen before perform to a level with the senior side that they'll come to the reckoning. And, you know, because really what we want is to increase the squad depth quality of competition within the squad. We're seeing it with the goalkeeper, we're seeing it defensively as well. Maybe from a midfield and attacking perspective, we're looking to see that one or two players really put up the hand. And I think this Girona kind of training camp is probably going to be key. So I think that's going to be a key positive. Uh, for me, just a kind of a low uh, Wembley gate, just in terms of the England Ireland. And I think this whole media, I feel sorry for Stephen Kenny in so many ways, but I think this was a utter embarrassment, you know, just in terms of what was said in the dressing room or in the team hotel should have stayed there, how this leaked to the media. I thought the manager was completely undermined in terms of that, and he has been struggling to kind of recover. Um, and again, hasn't been helped by some over-officious um, <laughs> governance from the FAI, who should be focusing on other things, apart from maybe team talks. So I think that's one that needs to be noteworthy in our season review, I think. Just away from men's football for a moment, I'd like to mention Grace Maloney for Reading and Katie McCabe for Arsenal, two outstanding players in the Women's Super League this season. Katie McCabe has been included in multiple end-of-season, team-of-the-season awards. I think she's a absolute world-class talent for Arsenal and for Ireland. And looking into the, the next set of qualifiers for the women's team, you know, she's the kind of player you can build a team around. And, yeah, for me... Absolutely one of the highlights of the season has been watching her playing for Arsenal. She's a really intelligent player. She can pass the ball through the eye of a needle, scores some fantastic free kicks and a role model for, I think, everyone playing football in Ireland. Indeed, I concur with that totally, Joe. Even with Vera Powell and the national side, it's been good progression. I know they're not there at the level that require to get you know into major tournaments, but that is happening. More exposure to the domestic game. And also the exposure of these uh, the ladies to, you know, in the WSL, mm. it's going to be key. Um, I think another note as well, just this time of year, it's it's an awful time of year to be a freshman footballer, particularly getting released. And I know a friend of ours, Rihanna Jarrett, got released from the Brighton and Hove Valvian ladies team. You know, an absolute standout person, professional, best wishes to her. And the rest of the Irish players abroad that are looking for new clubs at the moment, it's a Kind of a worrying time for them, but hopefully everyone kind of gets a uh, new club soon. The stories are that Megan Campbell and Tyler Toland uh, will also be released from Manchester City's women's team. But the move for both players to the City Manchester Stadium hasn't really worked out, probably as, as well as they would have hoped. And I know in, in Megan Campbell's case, she did suffer a, a really serious knee injury and was out for more than a year. We hope that they're able to find a new club before the start of the new season later in the year. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, review of the two men's squads that have been announced um, and our look back at the season that was 2020-21 in England. And we'll be reviewing the under-21 and senior fixtures over the next three weeks and talking about the two women's friendlies that are coming up against Iceland in June. I'd like to thank Mark for joining me and uh, we hope to talk to you soon. Okay, bye.